And so there was like a legitimate side of just, mm-hmm. hey, we've got these Model Ts or whatever was kind of evolving quickly mm-hmm. throughout that kind of decade and a half-ish. And they actually said that the, the, the guys who were running Moonshine tended to be have the fastest and the best cars <laughs> and would win these recreational races yes. on the weekdays. And on the weekends, they'd go run Moonshine. Yeah, exactly. Right? Welcome to Talk With History. I'm your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. Now, Jen, I have a new thing for us tonight because this episode is sponsored. Seriously? It's sponsored by us. <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by the hashtag historic newsletter. This is our free newsletter that brings you a monthly roundup of history in the news and bite-sized summaries of interesting historical articles, videos, and yes, even other history podcasts that we find. So you can sign up for the hashtag historic newsletter at hashtag historic.com, hashtag historic.com. That's hashtag historic.com to sign up for free today. Spelled out. Spelled out. All the words. Yeah. H-A-S-H-T-A-G. Historic. Yes. Did you know that one of the oldest cities in America is in a state that's known for peaches, bulldogs, and Zach Brown Band? Yes. Yes, Savannah, Georgia was founded in 1733, and if you think about this unsuspecting city not far from the coast, it kind of makes sense that the explorers and the pirates put down roots here. Savannah is host to much more history than you might realize, and we're here to tell you about a taste of that history today. So Jen, let's talk about Savannah, Georgia. Awesome. I didn't. I forgot that Zach Brown was from Georgia. He's singing about sweet Georgia pies That's all the time. So true. Zach that was, Brown band. That was the first concert we took the kids to. That's right. That was that was a ton of fun. Very cool. And we also took the kids to Savannah. So it was an amazing city in Georgia. We had I, never been there before. I was I was incredibly impressed and surprised at how much I enjoyed Savannah because we went. You kind of earned like a little work bonus. Yes. So we got to go down and we just, you know, your boss is saying, hey, Savannah's amazing. You'd love it. Mm -hmm. So we went down to Savannah. Now, what are some of the first things I I think a lot of people might know our first topic? Sure. I think a lot of people will realize, although I didn't realize until I started to do research, that Forrest Gump is sitting on the bench in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, that, in the whole, beginning of that the movie. whole time. Mm-hmm. And we actually visited the very location yes. where the bench was. It's no longer there. No. But tell us a little bit about So that. it's one of it's it's a popular square in Savannah. So Savannah has twenty two like public garden squares. Yep. It's laid out like a grid, very easy city to walk, very easy city to navigate. Yep. And in Forrest Gump, he's sitting in Chippewa Square, which is one of the more popular of the 22 squares. And that bench was put there for the movie. And yep. I, I talk about that in the video because it's right along the road. And as you remember in the movie, the bus keeps stopping kind of in front of that. Yeah, and it's not too far. So Savannah, it, you know, if, if you haven't really thought about it, and I mentioned in the intro, it's not too far from the coast. I wouldn't call it a beach town. But it's on it's on like a river inlet, like a major delta inlet. Major, and that that's so important to its history. Right. And in Chippewa Square, and the reason I bring that up is Chippewa Square is maybe a quarter mile from kind of the waterfront yes. area. Yes, easy to walk. 
very easy to get there. That's probably why it's one of the more popular yes. ones. And Chippewa Square, it's named after the War of 1812, the Battle of Chippewa. Yep. And the square was dedicated in 1815. So it makes sense that they would name it off out of off of a famous battle yep. that America, you know, prospered in. Now, it has a statue in it of J- James o- Oglethorpe who is the founder of Savannah. He's the governor, the first governor of Savannah. That's the yep. statue who's behind Forrest Gump. So yeah. it's kind of a popular square for those reasons. Plus, we talk about some things. There are some buildings around the square yep. that are pretty important, one of them being the Savannah Theater, which claims to be the oldest theater in America. Yeah, the, I think that's like the oldest, longest running theater yes, theater. in one location. Right. So it's from 1818. Now there's two other theaters we've, where I talk about this in the video. One is in Philadelphia. They didn't close their roof and make it like an actual theater until a- after and I think the building moved. And the, that's in Charleston. Okay. The other one is in Charleston. That's older, but they moved the building because it burned down at one point. And so they moved the location. Right. So this is the oldest theater in one location, 1818. And so you've had some very famous actors go through there. You've had like Oscar Wilde has been there. Yeah, that was Charles cool. Charles Dickens had been there. John Wilkes Booth yeah, that's had performed right. there. So it's just cool. So that's on the corner of Chippewa Square. And again, this the statue of Oglethorpe is there as well. So And you kind of have to like to kind of get a visual and a feel for what these squares are like. Like picture that classic tree, Spanish moss hanging mm-hmm. from the tree. And that's everywhere in Savannah, yes. along the waterfront, walking through the through the town. Like everywhere we were walking, we were walking through these squares and these trees, these just gorgeous trees. I mean it's it's when Jen says it's walkable, like there's people out running. It's it's actually like a pleasant walk. It's it nice to go around a walk. It's not walkable like you can walk through New York City. Like it's it's they actually integrated a lot of these squares into kind of the feel, the vibe of the city. I think it more or less wants you to walk rather than drive. Yeah. It didn't seem like there was parking. It was it was very easy to walk. Very easy to walk. Everywhere. So there. It has this feel. It's the oldest city in Georgia since it's the first, when, when it was landed and colonized, it was the first colony, first city of Georgia. So it's the yeah. oldest city of Georgia. But it has this feeling that's not American. Like you feel like you're in a European country. Yeah, it, it has some, a lot of that kind of Spanish yes, European vibe yes. to it. Yes. Yeah. And so when you look at Oglethorpe's statue, if you're there, he has a very colonial look to him. Yep. He doesn't look, you know, more like British kind of look so that's how it, it was a very cool atmosphere and feeling we felt very safe there and it was really neat but there's a lot of cool history around there so from there we actually walked to um juliet gordon lowe she's the founder of the girl scouts yeah that was and pretty cool she's born in savannah she started the girl scouts in savannah the first meeting or troop meeting happened in savannah yep. so it's even when we went there, there were Girl Scout troops yeah. visiting the yeah, house. Yeah, that, that was cool. And that was, that was something I, I didn't expect, right? But I, I mean, I have an aunt who has been, she mm-hmm. was in the Girl Scouts for forever and she's run troops and this, that, and the other. And so I've always heard about kind of some Girl Scout, this and that and the other. But you wouldn't kind of think until you show up and they're like, oh, 
yeah, the, the founder of the Girl Scouts is is here and this was her house. Yeah. You know, and so that was neat to kind of see the marker and then to see like a Girl Scout troop, just you can tour the house. Yes. And so we saw them kind of walking out and they were on some balconies yeah. taking pictures it's, and this, that and the other. It's kind of like a, probably like a rite of passage for a Girl Scout to be in the very in the home where the very first meeting took place. Yeah. The very first Girl Scout meeting. There's a lot of other things that are so you might know Savannah for a movie or a book called Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yep. And we go to that house from that movie. And that house is pretty famous. It's been used in other movies. It's the Mercer house. So when I say Mercer, some people are like, oh, Mercer, is that like Johnny Mercer? Well, it is Johnny Mercer. And some people might be like, who's Johnny Mercer? <laughs> I don't know who Johnny Mercer is. So he was a famous songwriter. He wrote Moon River from oh, okay. Tiff- Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. O- Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. His great grandfather built that house. Oh, my gosh. And he's from Savannah, Georgia. He never lived in that house. But his great-grandfather built the Mercer House. And the Mercer House is famous because it's where the murder took place that's in the book, Midnight in the Garden that's of right. Good and Evil. Which, that's, that's what the yes. book was, was the, based yeah, off of. 1994 book. It's a 1997 movie made by Clint Eastwood with Jude Law and Kevin Spacey yep. and John Cusick. But the premise is, you know, there's a murder that happens in this house and there's a lot of colorful southern characters Mm -hmm. and you if you spend some time in the south new orleans memphis savannah you realize the influence that african-americans have on the culture and one of them is religion and then the hoodoo voodoo that comes over i I thought that was a really interesting thing that you brought up and it's it's in the video and we kind of call it out via text and you talking about it so so what was what was like the, I think it was the lion, like the the killing hour or the... So min, So what that means, midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, is the 30 minutes before midnight is the good time. And the 30 minutes after midnight is the evil time. And that is the hour associated with midnight. And... That's why it's kind of in the garden of good and evil. Of good, midnight in the mm-hmm. garden of good. And, and even, so that movie was popular enough too that on the cover of the book, there's a statue. Yes. And and it's someone, she's kind of holding two bowls, almost like a justice Almost type, like a scale. Like a scale yes. type thing. And it was so popular. I actually read this online. I don't think I brought it up in the video, but it used to be in a cemetery and they moved it because the the where the cemetery was or, or someone's property mm-hmm. people kept visiting it so often yes. that these people complained and they just moved it to a museum yeah so what it really was just like a bird feeder oh, right okay. somebody had made it as a, as a bird feeder that's what it was and the person who came out to take cover art for the book walked around the city and walked by a cemetery and saw the statue and took the picture and liked it because of the spanish moss and yep. of the and of the feeling, and because it's good and evil, so it looked like it was weighing. It looked like it was weighing, even though it's it's just a bird feeder. Yeah. But like you said, people kept visiting it and like rubbing it and touching it that they actually moved it to a museum. Yeah. So, but it's a very iconic photograph, and that's an iconic book cover. And even though it really that plays really nothing into the the story, that statue it is a part of that idea of the. In the story, there is they do seek help from a voodoo hoodoo priestess 
who kind of takes him to the cemetery. And okay. so that that's where that kind of comes yeah, from. Yeah, and, and it's the, the picture, right? Just mm-hmm. like anything else in production, it fits, right? Yes. It looks like it's in a garden. It yes. looks, gives the impression yes. of good and evil mm-hmm. and, and all that fun stuff. And I had even kind of recognized the picture, even though I've never read the book, yeah. I've never seen the movie. But the picture, I was like, that looks familiar. It's iconic. So I think most people would, would say that. And so the Mercer house is where the murder actually takes place. Yeah. And it's where the movie is actually filmed. But it's in other movies, too. It's in Glory. Oh, yeah, so when right. Matthew Broderick gets his commission or, you know, to run the 54th Massachusetts, he learns about it in that. So it, it, and that's supposed to be playing Boston because <laughs> that's where he's learning about it. He's not in oh, Savannah right. yeah, yeah. when he learns about it. So so it, it, it has stood in for other things as well. And yeah. it's very cool to see it and be there. And it's on the corner of a square. It's not Chippewa Square, but it's another square. So like I said, 22 squares in Savannah. We visit the square where Nath... Nathaniel Green is buried as well. So another square. Yep. So if you just even want to walk from square to square in Savannah, it's Yeah, e- I mean, even if you're not a history fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, you can just, you can walk all day in Savannah mm-hmm. and, and just enjoy the sights and enjoy the, the feel of the city. It's great. One of the last things we did, and we brought the kids, which was really cool, was the pirate house. Yeah. That was fun. So it's fun. So Savannah has like, it's tied to all these cool things in history that I just never realized. So Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson opens up in Savannah and it opens up in the pirate house because the Captain Flint is in the inn in Savannah, Georgia, which is the pirate house. Yeah, it's it's the location of it. Now it's a restaurant slash kind of gift shop place yes but, but it was like th- a seafarer used to inn. it used to be an inn yes and that's where he dies on the second floor right and it starts the whole book because he gives his treasure map to billy bones and he he calls to long john silver you know he's like yelling and this starts the whole story yeah if you've ever read treasure island and robert Louis stevenson visited that inn mm-hmm. in the seven in like the 18 he writes the book in 1883, so it's like the early 1870s. He visits 1850s, 1870s. He visits there, and that inspires him. And it's to... so inspired by it that he writes it into his story. That's so cool. It's so neat. So, and the pirate house has so much history because War of 1812. We've talked about this before. It's where impressments were happening. Mm-hmm. So impressments are forcing people to join the the navy and in this case it was the royal british navy and we had people i think comment on the video or or email us afterwards after we we put this video out Mm -hmm. saying like they had heard or maybe it was something that we missed that there's actually like a a secret underground tunnel oh it's there it's there so there's Mm -hmm. there's an underground tunnel from the house again it's not far from the waterfront oh yeah and they would and that's how they would like just take all the drunkards and get them on the ships that's one of the easiest way to impress upon sailors yeah is because if you can't get a crew because sailing life was very hard you and i both i mean we're both sailors but the history of sailing it's a hard life working all day and food is not great and it's hard labor and most people don't want to just join up. So they would get, they would go to an inn and people who were very, very drunk, they would just bring them onto the ship and then get the ship underway. Yeah. And by the time they sober up, you've got to either you work or you get thrown overboard. Yeah. So, so that pirate house, especially if you're going to Savannah with, mm-hmm. with kids, that's an 
easy place to take kids. They were yeah. very kid friendly. Give them all great. sorts of stuff to do. Even if you're not with kids, you can go and the food was really good. Food was great. And like I said, they're known for that soup. Yeah. And even the person we saw there said he sometimes he just visits Savannah and goes to the pirate house just to have that soup. Yeah. yeah. So something to think about. Yeah, that was it was pretty cool. One of the other places that we visited briefly, we we just kind of walked outside of the DeSoto Hotel. Oh, yes. Which was actually a place where Al Capone had stayed during the Prohibition era. And that kind of segued us over to the Prohibition Museum, which we visited kind of the next day. After we did all this walking around, yes. all the squares, we went to the Prohibition Museum. Now, I had no idea that there was a Prohibition Museum and that this was a thing in Savannah. Yes. So we go to the DeSoto Hotel. We talk about Al Capone staying there. And why is Al Capone in Savannah, Georgia, of all places, right? And the Prohibition Museum is in Savannah, Georgia. It's the only city that has a Prohibition Museum. So yep. why is it in Savannah, Georgia? And just to give a, a address, it's on South St. Julian Street in Savannah, Georgia. So Savannah, as you had said, is on the waterfront. And it has a lot of mini islands. It's a very kind of southern inlet where there's all these kind of waterways yep. to get in and a little mini islands. And so you get these local people, local men who know these waterways so well. And so when prohibition happens, and we'll talk more about prohibition, but basically what it is, is the illegal manufacturing, sell, and transportation of alcohol. Yep. It happens for 13 years in America, yeah. from 1920 to 1933. And, and, and one of the things you point out pretty early on, which again, as someone who, who didn't know a lot about this, I always assumed that prohibition, right, during from 1920 to 1933, was like, nobody was allowed to drink alcohol or any of that stuff. And really what it was... And you clarified very well in the video was that you can't transport it, you can't sell it, you can't manufacture yes, it. Yes, but you can drink it. But you can drink it, right? So yes. come on over. I will serve you some alcohol. So if you That's had legal. a ton of alcohol in your house in 1920 and some some way were able to sustain it for 13 years, yeah. you could drink it. And that's kind of the lie right. that everybody kind of masqueraded for 13 years speakeasies that's what's the lie we have it we have the alcohol i'm not gonna say how we got it but we've had it and we've had it for a long time so savannah is so unique because you can't manufacture it and because they're always going after finding people who are manufacturing alcohol you're going to get the 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 moonshiners here and there but the biggest manufacturers will be outside of america which will be in of course you know Havana would be down in you know the, and there's rum coming up from, yes, from you know south from, of Florida yes all know. of that southern yep. area down there Bahamas and so and so rum sugar coming up from that area the easiest way to get it into America was Savannah because of all these little river inlets and all these little islands and, and it's it's a relatively straight shot and we show like a, a mm-hmm. map snapshot and logistically, it, it actually makes a lot of sense, especially for back then, yes. right? It's it's pretty much a straight shot from the Bahama areas, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like that. So if they're just sailing ships up, yes, they can go straight to Savannah, and they can go to any one of dozens upon dozens upon dozens of these inlets. They don't yes. have to go straight into the big yes. city. They can go to an inlet and then go into the big city and then get to a car. So the Fez had a hard time 
chasing them, yep. knowing where they were going under, you know, understanding where you know there wasn't one way in. And that's what Al Capone capitalized on. And that's why Savannah was a great drop. Plus, they have these underground tunnels that they were using during the pirate era. Yep. And then the Model T comes out in 1920, which is a, a, a mass produced car from Henry Ford. And so the Model T combined with Savannah having this great topography, this is what Al Capone starts his basically the in the importing of alcohol into America so he can get it on the road and disperse it right. out into the United States. So his mechanic is in Savannah. That's right. Because what feds will try to do is shoot out your radiator because if they can shoot your radiator, it'll make your car stop. So he would double, triple enforce the radiator. And that's where the mechanic would be out of Savannah because that would be the one place that they could catch them or see them or they'd be the slowest. Because yep. as soon as they're out of the city, they're not going to know who's who. But another thing that grows out of prohibition is NASCAR. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting. It's it's we talk a lot about in our videos kind of the the effects that we still have today of the hist mm -hmm. historical events that we are kind of walking and revisiting. Yes. Whether it's Gila Lax and the Gila cell yes. and all the medicine that came from that or any number of things, mm -hmm. you know, across our videos. And this one there's multiple things that actually kind of came out of prohibition, whether it was property tax or, or some, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, income tax. Income tax. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that because they lost the sales tax yes. from taxing the alcohol. Yes. So, you know, so, so sales tax came there, but NASCAR was one of the ones. Yes. It, I thought that was so interesting. They need to make fast cars, right? To get away from the feds, and so they have competitions. Who can be the who can make the fastest car? Who can make the better engine? Who has the best mechanics? What gangster has the best mechanics working for them? And, and the, they and would the, race their cars. Right. And so there was like a legitimate side of just, mm -hmm. hey, we've got these Model Ts or whatever was kind of evolving quickly mm -hmm. throughout that kind of decade and a half-ish. And they actually said that the, the, the guys who were running Moonshine tended to be have the fastest and the best cars <laughs> and would win these recreational races. Yes. On the weekdays, on the weekends, they go around moonshine. Yeah, exactly. Right? So they're doing the legal stuff during the mm -hmm. week. And on the weekends, they're off running moonshine, running away from the cops. And they said, there's even plaques, right, saying like NASCAR got its start, you know, from Prohibition. And like the, some of those model, model, those Ford models yes. were some of the most beloved models. Yes. Because people could work on them and they could kind of customize them. And, you know, it's basically the original stock car racer yeah. first kind of mass manufactured car yeah to get kind of like universal tools so let's talk a little bit about prohibition i want people to understand like what's this coming from how how does the country say no to alcohol how yeah. do you get this the was, votes this, this was interesting because i never really no knew to alcohol yeah. so the temperance movement starts in about 1850 and it starts in the northern east in maine and temperance really starts from women and I, I stress this in the in the video, the way the American family, the nuclear family was set up in the late 1800s was the male, the head male was the breadwinner for the family. No one could touch the income that he could bring into the family. Right. Even if a woman worked, even if children worked, because there is you know female labor and child labor, they're never going to get anywhere close to what a man can bring in as far as pay. Yep, that's just how the world was that's then. That's how the world was then. So also the male is also feeling the responsibility of that. He takes care of his wife, his children, usually any sisters 
and mother that he has because men would die earlier. So usually his, his father would be dead. And so you would be the central figure in your family. Now, if you mix that with alcohol, which at the time was the drug of choice to numb any kind of trauma, to numb any kind of I mean, if you think depression. about it, it's not long after World War One. Yes. And, and it's all of the like, really, it's, it's the thing that we that people could turn to yep. for any kind of help. And because alcohol and saloons were so accustomed to men, it was a, it was what men did. They would that go That was their out, social setting, yes, their social circles. How were, they met. Yep. Everything revolved around alcohol. And there was no limit. People weren't watching you to make sure you weren't having too much. And so you get a real problem with people alcoholism and then losing all of your money and then because you are the breadwinner for the family you cannot hold down a stable job and so the whole family would suffer and women would go to work but not make as much children would go into the workhouses not make as much and then you have this real trauma family trauma and just long term where it's just affecting generations of people so out of that comes that yes these women this temperance movement the demon alcohol is ruining our families ruining our men we can't have stable lives we can't have good lives because alcohol takes that away alcohol turns our men against us and they can't provide and we can't provide and so eventually it was the eight 18th Amendment. So it becomes the 18th Amendment. And it's passed January 16th, 1919, but it doesn't go into effect for one year after it passes. So that's why they say 1920. Okay. Because it's January 17th, 1920. It takes effect. So basically, it gave everyone a year. Yeah. Where the, Stock up. Yeah. The amendment passed. <laughs> you have a year. Um, but that's where you get this, this prohibition movement. It's 13 years. And Again, we talk about it's it's the manufacture, the transportation, and the sale of alcohol, but not the drinking. And so that's these things are a direct result of this. Speakeasies are the direct result of prohibition. And speakeasies, I read that in 1925, there were 30,000 to 100,000 speakeasies in New York City. Wow. I know. So these are these are places where you can go and drink alcohol in secret. Right. If you knew the secret password. Yeah. And a lot of them did it like in Savannah, locker room style. So locker room style is you go in and you drink and you're a member of the locker room and you kind of put your name on a ticket. And at the end of the month, you get a bill and your bill is your dues to the locker room. Yeah, you're basically running up a tab for a month. Yeah, so and then you're you not, pay that at the end of the month. Di- you're not directly paying for alcohol. You're paying your dues to the locker room, but you're paying for consuming that alcohol. Yeah, and I will say, right, to, to kind of to pull back the museum itself, mm-hmm. the museum proper, does a fantastic it's fantastic. It gets completely yes. immersive experience. You come in and there's like videos playing up on the wall but they have all this setup you feel like you're back in the 1920s era they've got mannequins that are like very real they and there's docents that are walking around that are dressed up you know for Mm -hmm. for the era all sorts of stuff to do our kids loved it i mean we just kind of let them go and they were looking around they you know they enjoyed it um so it does a good job of walking you through the story, the temperance, mm-hmm. and then the 18th Amendment comes about yes. and what the effects that has. 
So we talked about speakeasies. Yep. That's where the moonshiners come from. Right. Right. Because now you can get up into the hills and make your own stills and nobody can find you and you can run your own moonshine. And it becomes a big business because, again, any way you can get alcohol is going to be in high demand at the time because you can't legally buy it or get it or yeah, manufacture it. And they it. even had that one fun little section where yeah. it's like, here's the moonshine. It's like a farmer like yeah, in, meet, in his, in his you coveralls. Meet the hillbilly. You meet the hillbilly you know, yeah. with no shirt on and coveralls and a hat. <laughs> you know, he's talking about moonshine. Making and how it his, from corn mash. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it was, that was amusing. And they, they all the things, they, how women would, you know, how you would find, you could make a still in your house. And then how would you hide alcohol in your house? The different flasks would be disguised as certain little, you know, things. In yeah, your it has home. all these artifacts of like how that people would hide mm -hmm. alcohol. It was really neat. It was really neat. So what comes out of this era is also two big things we'll talk about. The flapper movement, right? And the Roaring Twenties yep. and the gangster movement. Yep. So the flappers, the 1920s, because alcohol before Prohibition was very male, and males going to bars, and it was a very a male social structure. Out of it comes this this fun, you know, illegal, you know, pushing against the man, where women and men did it together in yeah. secret. All of a sudden, because it was secret, because it was yes. against the rules, everybody was doing Everyone it. Was doing, not so just you get the, men. the flapper, you get the modern woman right. who's doing the two with her short hair and her short skirt and her Charleston dancing. Yeah. And she's partaking of alcohol too, mixed drinks. And now it becomes a social engagement for men and women to have fun. So women are now accepted into drinking culture. And you get all the fashion that comes out of that and, you know, the dancing and the whole speakeasy culture. But then on the other side of it, who's taking the risk? Who's taking the risk of bringing in the alcohol, protecting the alcohol, getting it? You get the gangster movement, right? So you're going to get your Al Capones. You're going to get your Machine Gun Kellys. And so they talk about that. And that movement, you know, you get the, the Valentine's Day Massacre. And then the big cities, you get the mafia setting up because they're going to be racketeering. They're going to be finding ways to yeah, get the alcohol in. Yeah, they're setting up their in. little empires, yeah. Yeah, and making money off of that. They're taking the risk and they're getting rich over it. So that whole era is from the 1920s to the 1930s because yeah. of that. So that's very neat. So those are the things you're going to get that come out of the Prohibition Movement. And then, of course, December 5th, 1933, FDR will pass the 21st Amendment. It's easy to remember because... To be 21 to drink, the 21st Amendment. Oh, yeah. It overturns prohibition. And there's a lot of, it, it really just becomes, you get men and women saying, we don't want this anymore. Yeah. We're right back. You know, and of course, if you get enough people who want something, they can move government to to, to speak their minds. So that's why the 21st Amendment is uh, ratified in December of 1933. So it's very neat. At the very end of the museum, you get into a speakeasy. Yep, that was fun. So you get to like say your password and go in. You get to have a drink of the time. And so that's kind of fun to see what that was like. Yeah, and the whole password, and I guess this was like known of the era, was tell them Gus sent you. Yeah, right? it, would, it would depend on what the password was. Like you, they would probably get a different name okay. every week. Yeah, but something. it was neat. They actually like had a door where you press mm -hmm. the button and there's like, it looks like these eyes open up behind yeah. the slot. And it was, the kids probably did that like 10 times just by themselves. <laughs> but it, it was, it was really, really fun. I was very impressed. Yeah. And I was, I 
I would say if you go to Savannah, definitely visit. Yeah. I will say Savannah is proud of their alcohol legacy and history. They never really shied away from the fact that they were illegally bringing in alcohol. There was a, Yeah, that was kind of known. Like yeah. the whole city just kind of knew the like city, oh yeah, yeah, you know, 18th Amendment, but eh, you know, whatever. And they had a, a baseball team in the 1920s called the bootleggers oh so, i don't think i realized yeah that. <laughs> so they were like mm-hmm. you know just try to catch us but it was very neat i definitely recommend if you're in savannah check it out because it, it is unique you're not going to get anything like that in america museum wise and then it is unique to the story of savannah and to america as a whole so it was a it was a very cool museum yeah and and savannah itself I was very surprised and and very impressed at, at how much I enjoyed the city. It was even if you just hang out on the waterfront, you can do a weekend there very very easily and see plenty of things. And if you really want to get out there and see that historical stuff, you can listen to this podcast. You can pass it on to someone else, mm-hmm. or you can watch our video and you can kind of see some of the places that we visit. So we touched on history and stories that span from modern day movies like Forrest Gump to mobsters running liquor during the Prohibition era. Or maybe you want to find some pirate history like Robert Louis Stevenson did for Treasure Island. And perhaps your daughter's troop is visiting the home of the founder of the Girl Scouts. Whatever you're hunting for when it comes to history, I bet Savannah can provide you at least a sampling, if not more. Thank you for listening to the Talk With History podcast. And please reach out to us at our website, talkwithhistory.com. But more importantly, if you know someone else that might enjoy this podcast, please share this with them, especially if you think that today's topic would interest a friend. Shoot them a text and tell them to look up the Talk With History podcast because we rely on you, our community, to grow. And we appreciate you all every day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.